The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fretz. Welcome everybody to episode 39 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Lionhearts, Apes, and Pies. Oh my. I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is available on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast across all common listening platforms. Today, I am talking about Monday Night Raw from August 6th, 2001. We are on the road to SummerSlam. The Rock makes his return to the WWE. Booker T takes up acting and the Planet of the Apes visit Monday Night Raw. All that and more this week on the show, folks. Stay tuned. Now, since the last time I sat here behind this microphone, uh, quite a bit has happened in the world of 2021 wrestling, and I'm not going to dwell on that too much, because y'all know I love to focus on the retro stuff, but Ray Wyatt has been granted his release from the WWE, and to say that I'm sad and mad would be an understatement, because Bray was probably my favorite act in the company since, well, becoming his cult leader self almost 10 years ago now. My God, time flies. And I'm not going to get into, you know, it's, oh, if it's uh, for this reason or that reason. All that matters to me is that Wyndham Rotunda uh, is happy in whatever steps he takes in his life next. You know, selfishly, as a wrestling fan, I hope he winds up back on WWE. I hope they work out some kind of restructured deal, much like they did with Samoa Joe. And, you know, I'm looking, thinking about it right now. Bray Wyatt, the Fiend in NXT. Man, that's that's got some vibes. I know he started out as a cult leader in NXT, some FCW even some time ago, but yeah, I'm I'm bummed. I'm just so bummed about, you know, about Bray and Yeah, it it sucks. It sucks, folks. And, you know, same Ric Flair, I I get, you know, he asked for it himself. Uh, he even said himself it wasn't over, you know, frustration over the booking and all that. There's no hard feelings. Between him and WWE. Like Ric Flair is like 73 years old. Let the man live the rest of his days in peace. No Ric Flair at AEW. No. I don't want to pull the usual. You know Bray Wyatt AEW confirmed. Ric Flair to AEW confirmed. Leave them alone. As a fan of both of them. I just want to say leave them alone. Now. August 
2001. Before I get into the rigors of this week's show, which is uh, quite a smorgasbord, quite a quite a mixed bag, quite a unusual episode of Raw, around this time in 2001, uh, Zach, Mr. YLP, I know you're having a holiday right now, and if you're listening, this one is for you, my good friend. The 2001 G1 Climax in New Japan Pro Wrestling was taking place between August 4th and August 12th, so between the next two podcasts. And, y'all know, I'm a very, very casual New Japan watcher. I'll watch, like, Dominion, Wrestle Kingdom, and some of the, the bigger shows. There's just too much too damn much wrestling on as it is for me to keep up. Like, if I can be honest, I still haven't watched the entirety of this year's Wrestle Kingdom or this year's... Was Dominion the one that was canceled? Anyways, there's been a couple NGAPW shows that I have still haven't watched the entirety of because I'm just... I'm very busy. I don't have a day off this week, so I'm just, uh, you know, doing what I can here. So, this tournament is an absolute killer's row it is a njpw hall of fame there's two wwe hall of famers in this as well and one wrestler that actually performed on dynamite this year now block a featured i'm not going to name everyone here because you know i don't know how many of y'all would know but we have yuji nagata who, yes, actually wrestled on Dynamite about a couple months ago. We had Tatsumi Fujinami, one of the pioneers of Japanese professional wrestling. He even put on a match against uh, the aforementioned Ric Flair, Minoru Tanaka, and Manubu Nakanishi. Just legends in Japanese wrestling and Get a load of Block B. Zach, uh, turn your uh, volume up just a little bit here. Jushin Thunder Liger. Satoshi Kojima. Hiroshi Tenzan. Keiji Muto. Masahiro Chono. Legends. In NJPW. And Japanese wrestling altogether. And the final was Yuji Nagata defeating... Keiji Muto in a 22-minute classic. Now, if I can draw a parallel here to 2000's block. There was four blocks in this one, and you had Goto, you had Liger, you had Fujinami, Fujinami and Nagata, Kensuke Sasaki, who would wound up to be the winner of that year's uh, show, Kenzo Suzuki! Yes, that Kenzo Suzuki, former WWE Tag Team Champion. Oh, I can't believe that was actually a thing. So yeah, Japanese wrestling was really tearing it up around this time, putting on some underrated classics that not a lot of people were going to watch. You know, next week I actually have a uh, a memorial show, two memorial shows from two fallen wrestlers at the time 
FMW had a another exploding whatever who's it what's it's kind of tournament in Japan. There's actually no Wikipedia article for that one. But yes, the 2001 G1 climax in August of 01. So I hope uh new Japan watchers, so Zach, <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed that one. Monday Night Raw, August the 6th. 2001 live from the pond in anaheim california the home the then home of the anaheim mighty ducks i think around this time they might have taken the mighty off their moniker but to me they're always the mighty ducks because ducks fly together quack quack we see this ugh, this shrine this disturbing shrine that ddp built of Taker's wife, Sarah, and it looked like Charlie's conspiracy board in It's Always Sunny, but even more creepy. It's as if Charlie built a shrine, the conspiracy shrine, to the waitress they had a crush on earlier in the series. And just a big yikes, a big yikes energy here. And Rob starts off with a bang, not a DDP bang, but Kane's pyro bang. We have Kane versus RVD for the hardcore title. This is a fun bit of foreshadowing since uh, these two men would be Raw Tag Team Champions in about a year and a half's time in... I don't know who named them this. This has to be either Ruthless Aggression Podcast or the British equivalent, the RA era podcast, same era, different people, but Team High as Hell. Uh, it's uh, fun here. And Paul Heyman, of course, because RVD is one of his own. He is one of the uh, innovators of Extreme, one of his old buddies. He does the double thumb points from from the commentary desk. Like, hey, come on, JR. It's Rob Van Dam. One great spot in the match here. Uh, RVD goes for a spinning wheel kick, but Kane picks him up and just hoys him over the top rope. RVD does that awesome twisting leg drop to a prone cane over the barrier to the outside. And uh, JR says that RVD would look great in a WWF jersey, Paul. He is extreme, JR. He is a member of the Alliance. There's a good spot here where Kane picks up the steps. You know, the steps that weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds, but they're hollow steel. And Rob Van Dam drop toe holds. Kane's face into the steps does the upside down tree of row basement drop kick to the corner. I love that spot. That spot that Tommy Dreamer used to love, love to do. There is a power slam counter in from a spinning wheel kick. There is Kane's super burning lariat. I like to call it a low blow because low blows are legal. In hardcore championship matches and speak of speaking of things that are legal in hardcore championship matches interference ddp comes in to hit kane with several chairs and then flies a chair on top of kane in motions rob van dam to go to the top rope to do the five star frog splash onto the chair onto kane ddp is a bad friend ddp is a jerk because you're frog splashing a chair. And yeah, there's a person underneath, but 
I'm not so I'm not I don't know how much damage like weapon assisted, title assisted, whatever splashes do to the person taking it, but the person doing it gets just as hurt. What a bad friend. What a dick. And what an idiot Rob Van Dam. But, you know, he retains the hardcore title here. Backstage, there is trouble with the Austins. And it's all about Deborah's cookies. On SmackDown, Deborah is prancing around ringside with a big plate of her homemade cookies for the fans. And Stone Cold Steve Austin takes exception to this. They're cutting a promo and continues to interrupt his wife. And finally, Deborah gets fed up and says, you know, this is all about you. You're, you're selfish and blah, 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 blah. And she knows that Stone Cold doesn't like her cookies. So after all the interruptions and all the, as I was saying, ah, ah, ham, finally, Deborah has enough. Just smacks Steve Austin in the head with a cookie sheet. And he's like, oh, oh. Deborah, no, no, I love your cookies. Uh, just being as disingenuous as it gets. And then, speaking of the Austins, Mr. and Mrs. Stone Cold arrive to the arena. You know, there's a little bit of tension there. Okay. Booker T visits Hollywood. To be precise, he visits Paramount Pictures. Oh boy, this is going to be good. So Booker T's at a movie set because he's like, hey, I can act. I can act better than The Rock because he's jealous of The Rock. And The Rock is like, you know, made a cameo appearance in The Mummy Returns. And they treat it like The Rock was a starring man in Hollywood at this time. But to be honest, he was in The Mummy 2 for like five minutes. It wasn't until 2002 Actually, he might have been shooting the Scorpion King now that I think of it. Yeah, because the Scorpion King came out around my 18th birthday in 2000, in April 2002, and The Rock had his feature role. And he's auditioning for a movie. The intern says, what's your name? Well, my name is, it doesn't matter what your name is! Yeah, the intern right away just dissing Booker T., uh, and say, like, how hard can acting be? I'm the Booker Man. Did you say Booger Man? No, he said the Boogeyman, and he's going to get you. No, didn't actually say that, but the foreshadowing <laughs> again. <laughs> wow, this uh, these retro raws are funny in perspective. We'll come back to Booker T in Hollywood in some time. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the boobies hit the floor, if you will. ECW owner Stephanie McMahon Helmsley comes out to the ring for a promo. And a big sign of the crowd that says, Got silicone? Okay, that popped me. That's, that's funny. She's out here to say that The Rock is afraid of the Alliance, that The Rock is afraid of Booker T, hyping up her brother Shane about, you know, everything and his upcoming street fight with The Rock as this show's main event. And she is interrupted by none other than her good friend, Chris Jericho. And saying things like, uh, all the sexual innuendos against Stephanie because 
there was probably some kind of underlying sexual tension here at the time. Like, Chris is saying all these derogatory things about Stephanie and her body, but deep down, he wants to plow her. <laughs> I mean, they get to be an on-screen item at some point this year. Spoiler alert. But, yeah, that's, that's usually how it works, right? Saying, like, you know, Shane always comes out on top, but you wind up on the bottom, on the side, upside down, bent over. Yeah, I didn't need to know what types of positions that Stephanie McMahon's into, but here we are. For you, a SummerSlam is a quickie on a hot August night. Hey, when the bodies hit the floor is your naked body hitting the floor with a paying customer. Of course, this friendly Anaheim crowd, this polite Anaheim crowd showers this beautiful young flower in slut chants. And she says, you know, Chris, you're funny. You're catty. You remind me of a little girl. Like, but you know what? Every time you insult me, you get hurt. I can't, I can't count the amount of times that my husband, Triple H, has kicked your ass for the things you've said to me. It's like, well, Triple H ain't here. He's at home. And it's like, you know, is there anyone in this company that Stephen McMahon hasn't gotten with? She's banging the whole locker room, the ring crew, stage guys, the prop guy, and the popcorn vendor in the 15th row. In the 15th row. Congratulations, Louie. You've done everyone on this planet. But maybe there is someone from another planet. Oh, boy. So he says, yeah, here's some people from a different planet, from a planet of the age. So... Oh boy, this movie. Yeah, this movie was out at this point in time. The Planet of the Apes remake that sucked so much ass. <laughs> My goodness, this was bad. So, he brings out the Planet of the Apes. Or just a couple of extras in really shitty ape costumes that look like a couple of high school mascots. Like the, the Anaheim Mighty Gorillas. The, the Mighty Joe Youngs, if you will. So they come out to... to um. Kamala's theme. Remember Kamala? God rest his soul. Yeah. When I watch this, I'm like, why are these apes coming out to Kamala's music that we heard just four months ago at WrestleMania X7? So we all know it was the Ugandan giant theme from deepest, darkest Africa. But instead, we got apes, flowers, and presents. I'm surprised they didn't break out in... Uh, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, do 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 Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, oh, Dr. Zayas. Yeah, friggin' Simpsons reference there. They didn't come out to, I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. Or is that if you're Canadian? And oh my god, I was wrong. It was Earth. All along, you finally made a monkey out of me. And I just watched my sub count drop dramatically. <laughs> that one's for you, Simpsons fans. So, the obligatory, brutal, dirty, disgusting, bottom-feeding trash bag, etc., etc., etc. And they bring out, you know, one of these apes has a bouquet of flowers. And the other ape has... 
a box. What's in the box? What's in the box? The Alliance might may not have the rock, but you'll always have the pie. So Stephanie gets a cream pie crammed in her face. I am not going to make a joke about that. And yeah, Lita is impressed with Deborah clocking Austin with cookie sheet. And, you know, you guys are opposites, you know, saying that Steve's a jerk and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so we got uh, some tension here between the Austins and Lita. Interesting. Tajiri and William Regal are having a chat in the commissioner's locker room or office, if you will. Xbox barges in saying that he's double champ, the WCW cruiserweight champion and the WWF light heavyweight champion. I should be in the main event. Lol. The, those titles barely got onto the main event of Jacked at the time. Anyways, Tajiri says something in Japanese to Regal. Regal laughs. What did he say? What did he say? Sunshine, uh, he said X-Pac sucks. Then we get a challenge for a title match later in the show. Tajiri versus X-Pac. This'll be good. What might not be so good, we have Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson versus Jacqueline in a handicap match. On Sunday Night Heat, uh, the, the two WCW lasses made fun of Jackie for crying at Tough Enough during the elimination of somebody, you know, Jack. It's like, watch reality show, your friend gets eliminated or you see someone with a lot of heart and tenacity and talent get eliminated. Like last night I was watching Hell's Kitchen and you see someone get eliminated and you know you know the the red team or the blue team cry or so yeah it's like that all reality shows are like that <laughs> so we see a spot where they're like they're at WWF New York for heat they tease the crowd that they're going to get in their bra and panties but you know being Stacy and Tori. Yeah, this is their heel tactics to be cock teases. And I get it. But come on. No, don't be like that. Especially when I was a teenager at this point in time. Let's leave that right there. And since they don't, but Jackie helps them by pantsing them. This won't be the first time we'll see a pantsing uh, tonight. And Stacy hits a really impressive insegiri. Never got to see too much of her in-ring work as a on-screen personality in WWE, but those long legs of hitting an insiguri, it it was nice. It looked really good. And there's a spot here where Jackie hits a double clothesline on them, and Ivory walks out to a ringside thinking, okay, she's going to even the odds here. Ivory is a WWF last, but swerve, bro. She DDTs Jackie and joins the Alliance. But what company is she representing in the Alliance? Glow? Whatever. Here we go. Ivory turns her back on the WWF and leaves with Stacy and Tori. We finally see DDP's creepy shrine to Sarah. And it's a room dimly lit with a bunch of pictures of her. All the ones that he was taking during his uh, stalker phase when he wasn't revealing himself yet, when he was sneaking around Callaway's yard, when he was taking all these videos. There's even like a, a, a loop 
of one of his videos on the TV screen, and he's just sitting there praying to it, bowing to it, just, yeah, just so, so disturbing. Meanwhile, at WWF New York, I'm not booked tonight, uh, Terry Runnels, who was dumped for a mop by Perry Saturn, and, uh, Paul Heyman berates her. It's like, you know, Perry Saturn and Moppy have more chemistry than you. And just absolutely insults her, like plastic surgery jokes and dumb jokes. Just making her walk off the stage and cry. Wow, nice guy. Booker T tries out acting again. This time, they say, try an 18th century British aristocrat looking for love after getting his long-lost locket. And he tries an accent here, which <laughs> is another great, great form of foreshadowing here. It's not as good as his King Booker accent quite yet. You can see that the wheels are starting to turn here for, for that. But yeah, that movie, by the way, it sounds like shit. Regal is in his office, and Stephen McMahon walks in, and it's like, oh, look, it's my favorite dessert, banana tart. <laughs> okay, Regal, once in a while, you'll break out some great Britishisms here that are, that are funny. The Dudley boys are here, it's like, you let apes in that ring, what's next? Lions, tigers, and bears, and points on the crowd for chanting, oh my, after. Just, mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. The Dudley Boys challenge Chris Jericho to a handicap match. And Regal's like, no, I can't book that. But how about a tag team match and he can select anyone to be his tag team partner? Fine. Okay, we're there. Tajiri versus X-Pac for the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. And there's this really cool sign that looks like someone took a pie plate and then made it into a buzzsaw shape. And then made like a like a spinner, like the spinner belt, but made it with a sign and a bus saw. It looked really cool. Points to that fan. And for some strange reason, Xbox comes out to his DX theme, but at the same time, has the purple lights from X Factor. So either the network effed up, or you know, Uncle Cracker was not a thing. For him anymore because just incredible went to join the alliance albert uh was doing his own thing he wasn't the hip was he the hip-hop hippo yet no that's that's actually coming up very very soon but it's kind of a full paw here and well x-factor's done and i can just hear the the cries of uh Kyle of the Apron Bump podcast. By the way, I was on Apron Bump last week with a review of Royal Rumble 2002. Go back and listen to it, apronbump.com. He's a heck of a dude. It was a fun recording and a very eventful show that a thunderstorm almost killed. <laughs> and like Pavlov's dog, the ring of the bell, X-Puck sucks chance right away. And the ultimate heel move of the Bronco Buster by X-Puck is done here and there's a whole whack of kicks by tajiri hits the handspring elbow locks in the tarantula does a bunch more kicks there's a spot here 
really good spot. The finishing sequence here was just mwah, chef's kiss. Where Tajiri was going for a super her and Conrada off the top rope. X-Pac pushes him off, but Tajiri manages to backflip, land on his feet. X-Pac jumps off the top rope right into the green mist and a buzzsaw kick. And Tajiri is the new WWE F light heavyweight champion. Hmm. Interesting. Matt and Lita are having a chat backstage. Steve barges in. And berates Lita, puts words in Deborah's mouth and words in her mouth. And are you calling my wife a liar? Well, yeah, because you're putting words in her mouth, you ass clown. And then challenges Matt Hardy to a match later in the show. And this, folks, is where I'm going to take a quick ad break. When I come back, we have Booker T continuing to try out his acting skills. The Dudley Boys versus Y2J and a mystery partner. Matt Hardy versus Stone Cold and so much more. Oh, and The Rock returns. Be right back. What is going on, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager here at Wrestle Attic Radio. And if you have some time on Thursday, each and every Thursday, I want you guys to check out my show, The King's of the Rings podcast, where we cover all the news that has fit in the boot inside and outside of the ring, from WWE to AEW, all the way over to New Japan and Impact Wrestling and beyond. That's Kings of the Rings podcast each and every Thursday, exclusively on Wrestle Attic Radio. It's 2021, y'all, and you know exactly what that means. New Year! Sam me. Just in case you forgot, it's your man, the one and only, Mr. YLP himself, Zach, your host of the YLP podcast, reminding you, yes, you, that you are listening to Wrestle and Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. And welcome back to Fretzelmania 39, folks. This portion of the show is brought to you by our Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio, the cure for the common wrestling Patreon. Only five bucks a month gets you exclusive shows such as the 20 Bell Salute that I just dropped for July 2001, a 20-year look back on pop culture and wrestling. I talk about Scary Movie 2 and Invasion and so much more. You also get Willie T's Wrestle Wars. King Ricky Rosé's Tales of an Epic Nature. Light the Hughes with Mr. YLP himself. 15% off of our merch on Spring. All the links will be in the description below. I'm going to drop a Francis Faye 5 when I can, but I'm going to give it another week or two. Meanwhile... Back in Hollywood, Booker T tries out his kingly accent once again, but he says, while he's saying his lines, the stage direction's like, and I will give you my amulet. Look to camera right. Um, um, Booker, those are stage directions. And there's the co-star Lisa, who was yeah, an attractive young lady. Says like, yeah, I got you locked, sucker. Did you just call her sucker? 
Yeah, I'm Booker T. Are you related to Mr. T? I want him fired immediately. We'll go back to Hollywood once again later. And the Dudley Boys versus Y2J and a mystery partner is brought to you by Corn Nuts, Fram Oil Filters, and Twix. Three of my absolute favorite snacks. And the surprise partner... is Kurt Angle, who gets the massive, massive pop as Angle is uh, looking to be one of the top baby faces in the WWE against the Invasion. And he is all business in this match, storming the ring even before it would officially begin. There's an ankle lock right away on Devon, but Bubba Ray gets in here to, to stop that. And there's a sign in the crowd that says, I steal cable. <laughs> Man, what a time. That was funny. And for some reason, a USA chant breaks out. I guess they much don't care for Chris Jericho, who is the lone Canadian in this match. There is forearms and kicks by Jericho, a snap suplex, a lion salt, and behind the referee's back, boom, a gore, gore by Rhino. But Jericho kicks out. Angle goes for the top rope. Moonsault. Devon gets the knees up. We see a was up by Bubba Ray. He gets Kurt Angle's legs up for it, but is denied as Chris Jericho knocks Devon off the top rope. Angle rolls through, puts the ankle lock on Bully Ray, and he taps out. This is a fun tag team match just to put over the, the WWE here for. Just, just a little bit. And Austin is backstage, ripping into Lita once again. And it's like, you know, lies like that get your boyfriend's ass kicked. And Lita's like, this is a whole misunderstanding. It's like, Steve, this is a what? This is a misunderstanding, Stone Cold. That's better. Um, okay, whatever. And yeah, so we're getting Matt Hardy and Stone Cold later in the match. So, okay. Christian versus Lance Storm for the Intercontinental title. And Christian walks to ringside here uh, solo with the not Stanley Cup. The future Raw Tag Team Champions, the future Un-Americans, I think it'd be this time next year we would see these two in a faction that were absolute heat magnets in the WWE, unless... They came through Canada, and they were babyfaces, much like the Hart Foundation versus USA feud of 1997. We have the hot feud of America versus Canada in the fallout of 9-11. So the heat was even hotter, pun intended, for that, <laughs> that very feud. So there's no edge conspicuous by his absence which is a little unusual and christian says that he has something to get off his chest lance storm will you please come to the ring christian says that lance's words inspired him that offbeat shenanigans are fun but i'm a canadian boo how dare you anaheim usa usa but 
as one Canadian to another, I'd like to ask you for a five-second pose in Canadian solidarity. So they both kind of stand at attention, kind of stand with their hands at their sides, you know, like they're going to be standing up for O Canada. But Edge rocks in here, pants is Lance Storm. Okay, that, that was pretty funny. That was pretty good. And Nick Patrick is officiating this match. And there's something I never noticed until Kyle from the Apron Bump pointed this out to me on our show last week. Nick Patrick's pin cadence, his stance, his aura about him when he's counting a pin. It's so boring. It's not good at all. It's not as cartoonish as like an Earl Hebner or like an Aubrey Edwards or freaking Bryce Ramsberg, but you know. And after a very good technical wrestling match here, Lance Storm wins with a reverse bridge pin near the corner of the ring with his hand on the ropes and Nick Patrick blatantly sees it and counts the three anyways. Lance Storm retains his intercontinental title. Taker and Sarah arrive, and Kane says that he's seen Paige earlier in the night, and he cracked me in the head and cost me the hardcore title. There's this shrine that is sicker than the last one. Last one! There was another? Oh, DDP's a sick, sick mofo. My, my, my goodness. So, have the APA watch Sarah while we go... And kick DDP's ass. Alright. Backstage promo with The Rock and Kurt Angle. Uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. And Angle's like, I don't like you. And you don't like me. Why don't you like The Rock? Well, because one time you told me to take my gold medals. And shove them up my... No, 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 no. You see, The Rock is back here in the WWE. Take on the Alliance. You and I? Clean slate. How about it? And... Critting was like, you know, I know something about matches with Shane McMahon. I know something specifically about street fights with Shane McMahon. And I had my one secret weapon that guaranteed a win. And it's milk. A he hands him a glass of milk. He's like, what I'm going to do with this milk is I'm going to turn it sideways and drink it. The next time, you know, that was the best milk The Rock has ever had. But next time, bring The Rock some pie. It's like, hey, I know this place that makes great apple pie. Oh, oh, Kurt, you, you sweet, innocent fellow. Oh, 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 Kurt, you're, you're so, you're so cute, pinch his cheek. Steven Deborah play Broken Telephone. With all the teenage drama that's going on. That's saying like, Lita called you country dumb like they fell off the back of a turnip truck. Yeah, yeah, come on. Uh, Taker finds the shrine. Oh. You've done it now. You've gone and made a big mistake. So you see DDP is laughing in the shadows. Or so you think. It's a trap! And it's Canyon who takes the bait, and then DDP comes in with a weapon. I didn't see what it was. It looked like a bat or something. 
and beats down the Brothers of Destruction. Matt Hardy versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a rematch from 1996. I think Matt Hardy might be the first man that Stone Cold hit the stunner on. It was either him or Scott Scotty Too Hotty. I I don't remember. Anyways, here this is a, a nothing match. Here Stone Cold gets all the action in on Matt. Lita and Deborah get involved and have a habit of a scuffle in the ring. Ida eats a Stone Cold stunner. Matt Hardy takes uh, umbrage with this, of course, goes for the twist of fate, but is reversed into a stunner of himself. Stone Cold wins, and for good measure, just because he's a dick, he knocks down Tim White at ringside. Quick squash match here for, for Stone Cold for, I don't know, reasons, get heat, whatever. And Booker T is getting frustrated with his acting here, and the director is also getting frustrated with Booker T, who's continuously reading, look at camera, uh, three, or something like that. And he's like, you know what? This movie sucks. And he talks about The Rock and his co-stars like, you know The Rock? Uh, are, are, what, are, are you his butler? You're his butler. Tell me she didn't just say that. And with that, Booker T is not acting he is not going to get this movie role blah 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 main event shane mcmahon versus the rock in a street fight there is trash talking and there is literal trash with a you know bin lid here uh shane mcmahon's like you know talking about you know silver spoon in his mouth and the rock's like yeah you have a silver spoon in your mouth but tonight you're gonna have my black boot in your ass First rock match back since April. I think since the night after X7. Uh, right away, they just go up the crowd, brawl to the back, make their way back to ringside. And on the ramp, they have a, a deal here where The Rock hits Shane McMahon with the trash can and then puts the trash can on Shane. He goes away for a second, comes back with a chair on the can, and... We go from there. There is a bin lid sandwich. The Rock just clangs Shane O'Mac with two bin lids. Shane tries to get the kendo stick, but eventually The Rock just beats the piss out of Shane McMahon. Hits the spine buster. Booker T comes in. DDTs. No, he eats a DDT as a result of his interference. But The Rock hits the rock bottom on Shane and The Rock wins lol. And for good measure, after the match, Booker T lays out The Rock with a scissors kick. And then Shane McMahon puts The Rock through the announce table with the flying elbow to close the show. What do I remember from this episode of Raw? The Planet of the Apes. I mean, I know the movie was a thing at this point in time. I talked about it on the 20 Bell Salute. This movie sucked. But I remember the apes coming to the ring for, for Stephanie. I totally forgot about DDP's creepy shrine. Just made me very, very uncomfortable. And what would I change? Simply a clean win for The Rock, and that's it. You can save a Booker T beatdown for later, later in the show. But, you know, it was a pretty fun episode. Overall, that's been it for this edition of Fretzelmania, folks. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at 
Wrestlemania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Follow us at Addict underscore Wrestle. Listen to The Delight Show, The Kings of the Rings podcast, and The Young Lions Perspective. And I want to have a special birthday shout-out to my good brother, my former co-host of the Game Changer podcast, Nate the F and Great. I'm recording this on his birthday, August the 3rd. Buddy, hope you're doing well. Let's uh, let's catch up again sometime soon, all right? Until then, folks, we'll see you next week for Lordy Lordy Fretzelmania 40. Cheers.